Welcome to the Kesset Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and hope you enjoyed today's sermon. If you'd like to find out more about Kesset, you can head to kessetchurch.com or find us on Facebook. Well, good morning. Welcome to Kesset. Thank you so much for being here. If you're a guest with us, uh, welcome to our, our, uh, our church. We are so excited that you came to visit. My name's Danny. I am one of the pastors here. And today I'm actually just hosting. I'm not speaking. And uh, I, I got to say, I, I, it's a weird vibe to host and not speak when you have a church as excited as everybody has been for Ashley. Uh, we, normally people are like, oh, you're not speaking. Oh, and they're like, oh, you're not speaking. I'm so excited. That's right. It's Ashley Sunday. And at first I was like, cool. And then I was like, uh. But uh, last service was solid. And uh, this, this, this young woman is powerful. And uh, we've loved having her a part of our community, her and Pastor Charles. And uh, it's just been a really special, special thing. And so uh, I'm really excited to welcome her to our stage. So can you just give a warm Kessid welcome to Ashley Tellis. Well, thanks, guys. Good morning. I was telling the morning service that Danny is far too humble. Because when Charles and I first got here, they had given a survey to a bunch of young adults. And one of the questions on there was like, what's your favorite thing about Kesed? And across the board, everyone was like, Danny preaching. So I thought, oh, that's no big deal. Like, don't worry, don't stress out about these results. And then I read the follow-up question, which was like, what's your least favorite thing about Kesed? And everyone was like, Danny not preaching. So then I was like, okay, no pressure, but we're just going to keep rolling. And here's our little deal that I'm going to make between you and me. If you clap and say amen during this thing, I'm just going to keep rolling even faster. So we'll get out of here. I'll be done. Amen. <laughs> so as you know, we have been navigating our way through the series called The Quickening. Some of you might not have known. And the quickening is really all about these moments of impact in our lives. They are moments that, you know, God uses along our journey to somehow grab our attention and pull us into a different place of understanding, not only with him, but also with ourselves. And quickenings can be vastly different. I mean, some are positive, some are negative, and others are somewhere in between. But the one thing that they all have in common, all of these moments, is that they are moments that change our life. And so oftentimes we tend to think that quickenings are always these positive moments, you know. I think we tend to look for God in the beauty of life. But what I've discovered about God is that while there are many times that God will speak with his voice, there are lots of times that God will speak with his hand. In other words, God is taking not only the good parts of our situations, but also the bad parts of our circumstances. He's taking our triumphs and our victories, but also our defeats. He's taking our trials and tribulations, and he's somehow working them together to say something to us with his hand that he might not have ever communicated with his voice. And so while we tend to think that we can find God in the beauty of life, you know, our, our victories and, and our good days, I think that we make the mistake of assuming that's the only place that we can find God. See, God is not just in your good days. 
but he's also in your bad days. He's not just in these moments of calmness and clarity, but he's also in the chaos and confusion. And so sometimes we tend to wait for the battle to be over to find God. But I hear the spirit of the Lord saying, you don't have to wait for the battle to be over to find me. You can find me right where you are. I can be found right in the middle of your fight. And so perhaps there is no one more fitting to discuss today. You might have walked in and you looked at the symbol today, which is a sword. And one thing that it makes me feel reassured about the symbol of the sword is that while God might not prevent us from facing the battle, he always makes sure to equip us with what we need to fight. And so there's nobody more fitting, in my opinion, to look at than that of Joshua. Joshua was the, Mos or the servant of Moses. He was Moses' assistant. And his responsibility was to aid Moses in moving the people out of the wilderness, out of Egypt, and into the promised land. But beyond that, Joshua was a fighter. You know, Joshua, as I look at him, he's almost as if he was like a fighter by nature. You know, people that are just conditioned to fight. And if you look in Exodus chapter 32, there's this moment where Joshua and Moses are on the mountaintop and the children of Israel are down at the bottom and they're partying. They're having a good time. But to Joshua, even partying sounds like war. So have you ever, maybe it's just me, but do you ever have people in your life where it seems like no matter what the situation is, no matter what's going on, they're always just getting prepped to fight? It's just any situation, any moment is just like, oh, let me at them, let me fight. I have a cousin, and her name is Peyton, and I was never a fighter growing up. That just was not my thing. I learned one move. I might have made it up, but learned it somewhere, and I call it the windmill, right? So it's where you just close your eyes and you just start swinging for dear life and hope for the best. So that just wasn't my thing. I knew the windmill and that was it, but Peyton was really the fighter, and she always felt like she had to protect me. And like Joshua, everything that she heard, everything that she saw always put her in a position to prepare for a fight. You know, we'd be walking in the hallways at school and someone say, girl, Ash, you're looking real cute. And Peyton's like, what you trying to say? How you think she look any other day? What, what? And I'm like, Peyton, you don't always have to fight. Relax. So as we begin to talk about quickenings, they are really these moments that are often unexpected, unpredictable, but they have the ability to knock even the strongest fighters off of their feet. See, you think about Joshua and you say, well, as a fighter, then maybe you must always be prepared for a fight. But I'd argue that no matter who you are and no matter how strong you are, there is always a fight that you might not be ready for, and that is the fight that you do not see coming. Because it is one thing to fight when you can anticipate what you're up against. It's one thing to fight when you can size up your opponent and you know what's going on, but it's a completely different thing to fight when you're caught off guard and you did not see the punch coming. See, if I can fight when I've got time to anticipate what's going on, maybe I've got time to gain some strength that I might not have had, but if I'm caught off guard and I don't have time to prepare, you tap into a strength that you didn't even know you had. It's a ready or not, here I come kind of strength. So as we begin to dive into these moments of quickenings, and as we begin to look at not only the life of Joshua, but also the life that you're living, you have to remind yourself that while, yes, maybe there are some quickenings that you might have seen coming, but for most of us, 
quickenings are these moments, these unpredictable moments that we did not see coming. These moments that have the ability to knock us off of our feet and onto our knees and help and aid in requesting help from God. So we're going to jump in um, right into Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9, and we're going to kind of park there for a little bit. And the word of the Lord reads, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I am about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river Euphrates and all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the day of your life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate it on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you everywhere that you go. Let's go into a moment of prayer before we dive in. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for this ordained moment. God, as we begin to travel and journey in our lives and as you begin to unveil our story, God, we know that there are times that we have to fight. We know that there are times when things are not necessarily smooth. Sometimes things are rocky, but God, we thank you because we know that you are right there in the midst of them all. So God, I ask that even in this moment, God, that we share together that you would cause your word to rain down from heaven in a way that causes us to leave this place different from the way that we came, in a way that causes us to be changed. Not in a way that says, oh, when we leave here, we will no longer have battles. Well, when we leave here, we will no longer have trials. But in a way that says, God, I feel refreshed and ready to take on every single last one of them. God, I ask that you take out everything that I am and pour into me your spirit, the Holy Spirit, so that I can pour that onto your people, God. God, I thank you. I ask that you give me clarity of thought, give me clarity in my speech, and we consider all of these things done. And it is your name we pray. Amen. I was at uh, Kairos Elementary School not too long ago, and I was doing recess with the second grade class. And I was put on jump rope duty, and the kids put me in charge of twirling the rope because nobody wanted to twirl the rope. Everybody wanted to jump. So I said, okay, that's fine. So I'm starting to twirl the rope, and they would get in a line, and only one person would jump at a time, and they wanted me to count every time someone would jump because they wanted to track their record. And so one thing that I noticed is that whenever someone was jumping, those that had the highest records were those that were able to keep a rhythm. Because as long as you could keep a rhythm, you no longer have to think about jumping over the rope. It's just something your body naturally does because it's not only in rhythm with your mind, but it's also in rhythm with your rope. And so as long as you had your rhythm, you could keep jumping over the rope. 
but the moment that the pace was changed, there was suddenly an interruption in the rhythm and it caused them to stumble. Because it's really easy to master the rope when you're doing what is familiar. It's really easy to master life when you're doing what is familiar, but we tend to stumble when we experience the unexpected. Maybe the unexpected is a diagnosis in your health that you didn't see coming. Maybe the unexpected is the loss of a relationship. Maybe the unexpected is an affair. Sometimes I think we tend to get in the rhythm of life. And life tends to go well. And it's easy to take things for granted when you're in a rhythm because you don't have to think about what's already working well for you. So we get in a rhythm of good health and we get in a rhythm of family support, and we get in the rhythm of a good marriage, we get in the rhythm of having good kids, we get in the rhythm of having a good job with good income. But sometimes, as you know, life has a way of switching up the pace of your rope, causing an interruption in your pattern, and before you know it, you find yourself stumbling because you are knocked down by the unexpected is where we find Joshua and the children of Israel in this verse. See, Joshua and the children of Israel had been getting into a rhythm of circling in the wilderness for 40 years. They had been getting in a rhythm of following Moses. See, even if you just look at Joshua, Joshua had been following Moses for all of this time. Moses was where he looked to to get his direction. Moses was where he looked to to get his guidance. And in a moment, the scripture says, that Moses was dead. So God shows up on the scene and in a moment of quickening, now everything Joshua was looking to obtain from somebody else, he now has to turn within himself and try to find it in him. See, the children of Israel had been following Moses. Moses was the leader that they knew. They were in a rhythm of following him, in a rhythm of circling. It might have been dysfunctional, but that was their rhythm and that was their pattern. And in a moment, God steps on the scene, causes an interruption in the rhythm, an interruption in the pattern, and life as they knew it was no more. And so if we continue reading and, and not only look at that verse, uh, verse Chapter number one, verse number two, um, it says, again, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into a land that I'm about to give them. See, but if you take a look at the Amplified Version, I love what it says in the Amplified Version. It says that um, you cross over. And that really stuck out to me, and I want to talk to you a minute about the crossover. See, crossing over is when you move from one thing into the next. It's often when you move from what is predictable. And if you know anything about basketball, you know that the crossover is a maneuver that a player does to try to knock off their opponent for the sake of advancing. So it's when you're dribbling the ball in one hand, and in a moment, an unexpected moment, an unpredictable moment, you cross the ball from one hand into the next. And I like to think of God as someone who's really great at the crossover. Why? Because he knows how to switch his hand. And sometimes we get wedded to God's hand and we think because he always blessed us this way, he's always going to bless us this way. But when you find yourself in a place like the children of Israel where what worked for you here no longer works for you there, you too are in a moment of a crossover where God has switched his hand. See, I like to think of God as not just being right-handed or left-handed. I like to think of God as being able to use both. 
See, he can use what he wants to do here, but then he can also use what he wants to do over there. And if you get too wedded to how he blesses you, you might miss out when he decides to bless you in another way because he's the God of the crossover. See, that's the great thing about God is that he was God the Father in heaven. Then he comes down as God the, the Son on the earth. Then he dies on the earth, goes back to heaven, and now he comes to us as God the Holy Spirit. See, he is the same man but his method changes. What do you do when the method changes and you are no longer finding yourself in a place where thing is, things are familiar? But he switched his hand. And what used to work for you back then, it used to work when my kids were infants, I could do it this way, I can parent that way, but now that doesn't work for me now. It used to work this way, but now God has crossed over. And the thing that I find so interesting about that is that if you get too wedded to his hand, you will miss the blessing of his heart. See, Charles and I, when we first got married, I had a whole bunch of financial goals. I wanted to be here. I wanted to make this much money. I wanted to have this. And we were in a season for a minute where God was blessing us financially, but he was blessing Charles and not me. And I thought, well, God, this is not what I saw. And God reminded me that just because the money didn't come through me doesn't mean I, that he never blessed me. See, now I understand what the old saints back in the day used to say. They'd say, God, any way you bless me, I'll be satisfied. We can't get so caught up in his method because although he's the same man, his method might change. And so part of these moments of quickenings are being able to understand that when God suddenly changes the method and things are no longer familiar, can you still trust him? Can you still recognize the blessing even when it comes from a different hand? And maybe, the, maybe you're not in a place of the crossover. But as you read on, you find that there's a time when Jesus says, or God says to Joshua, and we read it earlier, he says, be strong and courageous. And I think it's interesting that if God tells you something one time, it's like, okay, yes, pay attention. But if God says something several times, in this case, three times, then you know it's got to be really important. So God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous in verse number six. He says, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors. And then again in verse seven, he says, be strong and very courageous. And then again in verse nine, he says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. See, I think that God understood in this moment that the hard part isn't winning the battle because he promised Joshua that he would win. He says, I'm going to give you that. I'm going to give you this, and no one will be able to stand against you. So the hard part is not winning the battle. The hard part is allowing your fear to prevent you from showing up. See, sometimes we think that the enemy, oh, the devil is after my promise. No, the enemy doesn't want your promise, but what he will attack is your perspective. Because if I can get you to doubt that you have a promise, I won't have to steal it from you. You will steal it from yourself because of your own doubt. See, the enemy is not after your destiny. He wants your doubt because God could place you right smack dab in the middle of your destiny. And as long as you are living in this perpetual cycle of doubt, you will not even see it right in the middle of it. See, he doesn't steal anything from you. 
No, what he does is he manipulates your mind and causes you to fear so that you end up stealing it from yourself. So God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous because he understands that just because the battle is fixed does not mean that you don't have to show up for the fight. See, I think we believe that sometimes blessings just fall out of the air. But I think we have to understand that, yes, while God has given us promises, there are still some things that we have to go after and possess. See, God had promised the Israelites, he inherited the land to them. It was theirs. He said, I give you this land, but they still had to go after and possess it. Because there were giants in the land, there were enemies in the land, even though God had given it to him. So maybe you're not one who finds yourself in a place where you were suddenly experienced something that you were unexpected and knocked you off your feet. Maybe you might not be in a place where you're experiencing the crossover and what God used to do for you back then. He's no longer doing it now because he's doing it in a different way. But maybe you're in a place of be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. And just as God told Joshua to be strong and courageous, I'm here to tell you to be strong and courageous. Because the great thing about God is that although he doesn't prevent us from the fight, he promises to be in it with us. See, he doesn't say that life is going to be easy. Sometimes we get these, you know, cotton candy things that we hear that people make up to make it seem as if life is going to be easy. No, it's not going to be easy. Yes, there are going to be battles that you have to face, but God is not going to put you in front of a battle if he has not equipped you for it. And so he always finds way, whether it's bringing people into our lives, whether it's highlighting a certain sermon, he finds ways to equip us with what we need to fight. And so we don't just get the opportunity to really sit back and wait for God to bring things to us. No, sometimes you have to get up and go after it. Sometimes you have to get up and face the fear. Sometimes you have to get up and fight the fight against your insecurity. Sometimes you have to get up and fight the fight against your bondage. We don't always have the luxury of just sitting and watching things come to us. Yes, it is inherited, but there's another yes. Yes, you have to go after it. See, I think we think that just because we have to fight, that maybe this isn't of God. It's like just because you might have had the miscarriage does not mean that God never wanted you to be a parent. Just because maybe the relationship didn't work out does not mean that God never wanted you to be a husband or a wife. Just because you might not have gotten the job or just because the interview didn't work out does not mean that God's blessings towards your life regarding that job or not for you. Sometimes even a yes requires a fight. And so as we continue reading beyond this, this verse and this chapter, you got to read a little further. So that's your homework. Go, go home and read so you just don't take my word for it. We see that Joshua and the Israelites fight their very first battle and they don't do it with their hand. They do it with their voice. See, even that might have been a moment of crossover or even a moment of uh, unex an, an unexpected moment for Joshua because he had been used to fighting with his sword. 
The battles that he faced, he fought with the sword. The battles that he won, he fought with the sword. And now here you see God, I imagine him in my head to say, yeah, Joshua, the method that worked for you back then is not necessarily the method that is going to work for you now. So I know that you're used to fighting with your sword, but let's try things differently. Let's try fighting with your mouth. See, sometimes we have to be conscious of the words that we are speaking over our situations and our circumstances. The enemy tells you, I'm not good enough. You tell, you talk to him back. You say, yeah, I'm not good enough. I'm more than enough. I'm not just enough. I'm more than enough. You say, I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. I am the lender and not the borrower. Sometimes you have to fight things with your hands. You have to fight things by doing it something. You have to fight things by going after it. But other times, you fight things by using your voice. You have to sometimes find yourself in a place of worship, even in the midst of hard times. You have to find yourself in a place of worship and adoration toward God, even when things aren't necessarily going your way. Because you know what that does for you? It doesn't make the hard things go away. It just magnifies your God. It makes your God seem bigger than any and everything. So the thing that you were once battling over, you still might have to battle it over, but you're doing it with a God who is bigger than that thing. So as you begin to lift your voice and as you begin to pour out adoration onto God, as you begin to remind yourself who he is and what he's done, you remind yourself of the things that he's brought you through. You remind yourself of the time that you thought you wouldn't have made it and then something happened and God made a way for you. You remind yourself of the time that you thought I would not have any provision, but then God provided for you. You make him big. And as you begin to make him big, all of the other things begin to seem so small. No, I wish I could tell you that they're going to go away. They're not going to go away. But your perspective towards them will shift. See, I love science. I graduated with a degree in biology, and I like to see how science comes into connection with the Word of God. And one thing that is very interesting is that at a certain frequency, with your voice, you can literally shatter glass. You raise your voice to a certain frequency to the point where it breaks the constraints of the glass. And just as you can shatter glass with your voice, just as the children of Israel had the ability to raise their voice to a certain frequency when they came to the battle of Jericho, God said, you know, no, 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 what I want you to do, you're not going to fight this with, with your sword. You're going to walk around six times, day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, and on the seventh day, you know what they did? They lifted up a shout. They raised their voice to a certain frequency to the point where the walls that were keeping them from their promise, the walls that were keeping them from the things that they had to defeat were shattered. So you can raise your voice to a certain frequency and shatter glass. You can raise your voice to a certain frequency like the children of Israel and, and shatter the walls. And just like you can do that, maybe you call me crazy and that's okay, I'll take it. But I believe you can raise your voice to a certain frequency in worship and shatter the constraints of bondage. You can raise your voice to a certain frequency in worship and shatter the constraints of your fears, the constraints of your insecurities. Now we're all gonna have a moment where we get to stand up and worship together. But there's one thing that I wanna urge you to do. I want you to match the intensity of your worship to the intensity of your fight. 
Some of you are leaving here and you're saying, maybe that's not my thing. Maybe my thing is I need to be more courageous. You might leave here and say, no, that was my thing. I needed to learn that God is changing his method. But other of you are going to leave here and saying, no, I just need to lift my voice. I need to raise my voice. I need to make sure that the intensity of my worship matches the intensity of my fight. So let's stand together all over the building. We're going to do this collectively. And the words of the song are really simple, but I think they're going to bless you because now you have a better understanding of it. All you have to say is, this is how I fight my battles. I'm not going to fight it by being afraid. I'm not going to fight it by being insecure. I'm going to fight it by 